listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. In turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, and our ushers are at the front here, and they have Bibles if you need a Bible um, to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you, but if you just didn't bring your Bible today, would love for you to follow along. We uphold God's Word. It is important. It is an anchor. It is the truth. It is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And so that's why I'd love for you to have a copy in your hand so you can follow along as we go through chapter 5 of Acts this morning, the last part of it as we go through it. just through this passage, and we'll see the incredible truths that we have in God's Word. So Acts 5, we'll be looking at that in just a couple of moments. But I want to start with a question, and that question is, have you ever had to deal, and I know the answer is yes, with a pesky problem in your life? You know, just one of those problems that just won't seem to go away. You know, maybe it's that telemarketer that phones, and even though you said not interested, not interested, you've hung up, and they continue to phone because it's some sort of computer-operated kind of thing. I've even been walking through a Microsoft guy that's been calling me from another country and wanting to help me with my computer, and I'm so thankful, and I kind of like to egg them on a little bit and keep them going so that they don't, because my mother-in-law got taken by one of these kind of people for some money and for some computer information, and so I like to keep them going for seven or eight minutes until they realize that I know that they're not true, and, uh, and yet they continue to call, ask, please remove me, and it's a bit of a pesky problem. Or maybe it's those weeds, you know, in the yard or in the front grass that, you know, you, you turn around and, and, and there's, you know what, one of those dandelions there, and so you spray, I mean, no, sorry, this is BC. So you pull that weed out, and then you turn around, and like, there's another one, and you pull that one out, and, and you know, it's just like wherever you keep going, you just can't get rid of those pesky dandelions. Or, or maybe it's that neighbor, that annoying neighbor with, or maybe it's that neighbor's kid who has that loud stereo and loves to play it super loud and it's just like, oh, it drives me crazy, you know? Or um, maybe it's the never-ending, always-appearing election ads right now. You know, just, I mean, everywhere you turn, even, I, I was on YouTube the other day and it was like, oh, they even got to YouTube, you know, a little commercial before you watch what you really want to watch. You have to hear that, you know, he's just not ready, you know, or nice hair, or I'll tell you what I'm not ready for kind of thing, and it's just, I'm just tired of election ads already, you know, or, uh, you know, so, so we all at times have some of these annoying or pesky people in our lives or situations that just kind of, you know, just contest our limits. Well, in Acts chapter 5, we see that the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, were a bit more than even a pesky problem to the religious leaders of the day. They were an outright pain to them. And they were a problem that was just, they just would not go away. And the other thing, and it was almost like their, their, their power and what God was doing, it was building momentum. And, and, and the more they tried to snuff it out, the, the more it just continued to to. to, to Go further and further ahead. And so these men, I mean, you think about it. When you look at their lives here in Acts 5, these, these, these bold, these, these, you know what, just power-filled individuals, and then together as a team, it was like, wow. I mean, a few weeks earlier, they were wimps. I mean, as soon as any sort of form of opposition came, ah! You know, and, and they were gone. I mean, when Jesus, the, the night that Jesus died, I mean, they scattered. They were denying him. They were, you know, taken off. They, you know, going for cover. But now these once wimps are now warriors. 
And they've got this enduring spirit about them that they're just wanting to push ahead. And they go from denying Christ to proclaiming Christ. And, and, and it's this forward movement that's happening. And, and how did this happen? What took place? They understood the gospel. They understood it finally, it all made sense to them. And they personally understood but also lived out the message of the gospel. They understood, they finally saw that Jesus, it clicked. They were, that Jesus was fully man and yet fully God. That he emptied himself, not of his divinity, he emptied himself of all the rights and privileges he had as God and became a human being in human flesh. Still God, yet also fully man, fully God. And as he was crucified and died and paid the penalty for our sins, and remember a number of weeks ago, he lived, he died, he was, what was it? Buried, that's important. He was dead. He was, it, it was lights out. It was over for three days. He was, was buried, and then he rose again in victory. And then as he ascended, and he, he told them, do not leave the city, for the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So we have these disciples who were afraid, who were wondering, are we next? What's going to happen to us? Are now mighty warriors for the gospel, because they understood and interacted and accepted the gospel message. And because of this experience with Jesus, they were ready to live out their lives and ready to die for the gospel. These 11 disciples, plus the newly appointed one, they were not ashamed in their witness. And because of that, the church and the Christianity that was just beginning or oftentimes referred to as the way at that time, was moving ahead. It seemed like it was an unstoppable force, and God was behind it all. You see, even today, as we talked a bit about last week, that a pure church is a powerful church. A pure life, someone who is pursuing holiness, has a powerful life. Not an easy life, but a powerful life, because there's the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in our lives. But a pure life means a powerful life, but it also means that it will provoke a reaction. A pure church, a church that is desiring to, to live out the gospel, to be people of the word, it will provoke a response, and oftentimes that response is not good. There will be opposition. You want to live a godly life, you will face opposition. You will face persecution. It won't be easy. And last week we talked about the opposition that the early church faced, uh, uh, an attack from Satan as he was able to convince Ananias and Sapphira to lie and through some deception and through ambition and pride and kind of this look at us, we see they lost their lives. What a stern warning that was. And what a stern warning it is for us that even in little areas that sin is deadly, sin is costly. And for Ananias and Sapphira, it was an immediate judgment upon their lives, and they paid royally for it. They paid with their lives. For us, sin is often a slow fade, a slow fade from a life of power into one of powerlessness and discouragement and defeat. Well, as 
the terrible tragedy of Ananias and Sapphira took place in the church, what was meant to destroy it actually fueled the early church. And it moved ahead in power. Very much, this week when I was thinking about the early church in these days, it was so much like, almost like a slingshot. You know, where you pull back on the slingshot and it's just like it's getting stretched to its limits and then you let it go and boom, it just sends whatever you have in there flying forward. And that's what seemed to happen in the church. It was getting stretched, but then it would just propel forward in its effectiveness, in its outreach, in what God was doing. And so now in the remaining part of Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17, we see a new wave of opposition that is coming towards the disciples and towards the church. And this time it becomes very personal and painful. And yet we see this unashamed witness. How are we when it comes to sharing our faith? How are we when we get mocked or ridiculed or laughed at or people think we're crazy or we get a door slammed in our face or whatever it might be? Are we willing to continue to keep moving on ahead and we can learn here from these disciples of an unashamed witness ready to keep on going? And the disciples were basically, they were living out the fourth pillar of harvest. And absolutely appreciate this, this fourth pillar that we have, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And if you are here last week, you remember that our pillar broke before the service. Some guy was uh, trying to put it up or try to fix it, and, um, well, it dropped and was, was not easily fixable. And so this week it got fixed. And I kind of thought a little bit to myself this week that oftentimes that fourth pillar in churches is broken. That we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. For many of us as followers of Christ, that fourth pillar is broken. We're not really, that's not my thing to share the word of God with boldness. That's, that's someone else's job, the person who has the gift of evangelism. But here at Harvest and what we believe solidly that God's word teaches, that we are all to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And as we stand on the authority of God's word, and see, in so many ways that when pillar one, two, and three are active in our lives, number four isn't automatic, but number four becomes that much easier and understandable because if we are standing on the authority of God's word in our life, if we are people of prayer and we're lifting up high the name of Jesus in our worship, not just on a Sunday, but throughout our lives, we've got a message We've got a message that is mighty and powerful and can transform people's lives, families, the workplace, neighborhoods, communities, cities, this region. Amen? Amen. It can. And God has given us the ability through his word, through his spirit, relying on him in prayer, lifting high Jesus' name in and through worship, to go boldly and to share the good news. But oftentimes, it falls on deaf ears uninterested ears, or sometimes we can seem to be annoying to people. And so today we're going to look at this fourth pillar from this passage. And so in our message this morning, it's about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. Encourage you to, to write this down in the notes that you see on there. Encourage you to be interacting with these um, notes this next week as, as you study this passage. This is an amazing story. And, and I love the layers that as you study God's word and you study one passage, you just find out so many truths. And, and, and I trust that today this passage will come alive. In, it's not just this print on paper, but we would see this story happened. And this story can continue to happen in our lives today. And we can see God's power 
even in the midst of persecution and rejection. But the first thing we see, first of all, is when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with, with boldness, it's going to cause some opposition. It's not going to always be well received. And so let's read here in, in verse 17. You can follow along in, in your Bibles from Acts 5. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, all filled and filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So just right before this, remember Ananias and Sapphira, and then that nice little passage of how the gospel continued to go forth. People were getting saved. People were, their lives, I mean, there was physical healings going on. I mean, it was just an awesome thing that's, that's taking place. But the high priest, he got ticked off. When we share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness and we move ahead, expect opposition. It's not going to be smooth sailing. All 12 of them, we believe all of them were here, were rounded up, thrown into prison. They were in the public jail system. They were put in there with the low lives, the criminals, the murderers. There they were in this prison. And the Sadducees, you see, you know what, you have the Pharisees. They were a little bit more on the religious side. And the Sadducees, they were very, I love this, they were very sad, you see. I mean, they were just totally missing the message of the gospel. And, and they were religious, but they also had more of a political kind of mindset to them. Pharisees were more on the spiritual side, and the Sadducees were what? Sadducee. And they, I mean, they, they were just no fun kind of people. They were just, it was political ambition. They, they just would adhere to the first five books of the Old Testament. They denied angels and demons and, and anything, you know what, sort of in, in the supernatural in that way. They, they were just really kind of not fun kind of people. And so the Sadducees, I mean, they were upset. They were ticked off. And it wasn't because they were wanting to protect the gospel or, or protect God's word. It wasn't that they were trying to protect the people from this heresy. They weren't even trying to stop the heresy, per se, because it was heresy. They, they weren't trying to maintain God's honor. They were simply jealous. They were ticked off. They didn't like that the crowds were now following the disciples and the teachings of Jesus. The crowds were gathering around Peter and John and the others, and the crowds weren't around them. They lost their, if they ever had it, their cool factor. But what was more than that, they were losing their authority. And people were not following them. They could care less that people's lives were being transformed and radically changed. That people were being healed. They were jealous. And jealousy leads to anger. Sometimes jealousy can be, you know what, sort of, um, you know what, shown as, you know, a genuine concern or what it could be. But on the inside, one of the root, roots of jealousy is anger. In Proverbs 6.34, it says that a, that a says that jealousy arouses a husband's fury. Jealousy causes someone to become angry. And if they're not angry on the outside, they're angry on the inside. You know, folks, when you are bold about your faith, when you want to be living for Jesus Christ, you will rub up against people. There will be opposition, and it will make others jealous because they see what's happening in your life. And it may even be other spiritual people, religious people, People who you have perhaps even at one time respected spiritually in your lives. And as God is doing a work in your life, and he's changing, transforming, doing a work in and through you, it can sometimes cause the others to become angry, become jealous of the work that is happening. So be wary of this. Be aware that this kind of thing can happen. It will make others jealous. It can make them angry. The second thing that we see here when we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness is it will open doors. 
and it is pretty amazing, the doors that get open. The first doors we get open are the prison doors. And I just, I honestly believe that God has a sense of humor. He does. I mean, first of all, one of those realities that he has a sense of humor is that he chooses to use you folks. You know, really. And he chooses to use me. I mean, really? You know, I mean, at, at times when you think of yourself personally and you just think of, you know, maybe some of your deficiencies or your failures or your shortcomings or things from the past, that God wants to use you, God wants to use me. That's kind of a sense of humor kind of thing where God is just so amazing by his grace. He desires to do that. But, but here, I mean, just, okay, so what did I say the Sadducees didn't believe in? Were you listening? The supernatural, they didn't believe in what? The Angels and the demons. So listen to this. God just loves messing, I think, just as far as just challenging people and and helping them to see this. And so you end up seeing, but during the night, this is in verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. God could have, you know what, used an earthquake at one point to to shake shake loose the prisons, but here there was an angel that came and brought deliverance miraculously comes and rescues them. And something else you, you continue to see here is that prison doors get open. Prison doors are opened when the gospel is being proclaimed. God will open up the prison doors that are locked. But also, he opens those prison doors so that new doors of opportunities become a reality and are open to us. Look at in verse 19. Just, uh, I'll read that again about the angels and then continue on. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So right here, the disciples were learning some very, very important truths that would carry them for the rest of their lives. Because this is kind of one of the first strongest. There, there was one more in Acts 4. There was some opposition. But now this is getting a little more intense. This is becoming a little bit more serious. And it would continue on. But they would learn some lessons here. That would carry them for the rest of their lives. And they would start to see in an incredible way. The sovereignty of God. How God has everything in control. Every detail of their life. Every detail of your life. Right here, right now, God is overseeing that. He is sovereign. He is in control. He knows what is happening. He hasn't lost sight of you. It's not like, oh, sorry, you know, I kind of, you know, fell asleep there a little bit and and, uh, didn't realize this was happening to you or didn't realize you were struggling in this area. God is fully aware and he understands. And they would see here in this passage and it would carry them on that nothing is too hard for God. That God is almighty, he is all-powerful, and that he could save, he can deliver, he can rescue, he can heal any time, any place, any situation, any problem. God is sovereign. God is more powerful than anything that we face. And this is so important. And listen to this listen to, to this statement in here, folks. We see that the disciples were not divinely rescued for their comfort and for their safety, and for their own ease of life, and their own peace of mind. It wasn't like, you know, the angel comes, and, hey, do you guys want to get out of here? You know, and, uh, yeah, let's go, follow me. And so it wasn't like, start the car, start the car, let's go, you know, get the camel going, let, you know what, 
hurry, let's get out of town. Let, let's regain, you know what, some, some, some understanding here. Let's huddle together. Let's hide it out, you know, because who knows if they're going to come after us. You know, get on that camel, get on that donkey. Let's just head out of town. No, the angel says, go back to the temple. Go right back to the very place that you were getting in trouble for sharing the gospel. That sharing the good news of Jesus Christ opens up prison's doors, but it also gives us new and continued opportunities to continue to share Christ with others. God rescued them. He delivered them. But it wasn't for their peace and safety and comfort. How many of our prayers that we pray, that you are praying even now on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, has to do with your safety your comfort, your protection, an easier life. You know, like, oh God, save that person because my life would be so much easier if that person, my family or at work would, would be saved. Oh Lord, heal me because then I won't have pain. Lord, deliver me like you delivered the disciples from the prison of maybe it's fear, of loneliness, of discouragement or depression. Or bitterness. Oh God, take it away. He's able. He's all powerful. Oh God, get me out of the poor house. So I can give more to you. No, really what we're wanting. We want to get to the penthouse, not the poor house. God, give me a new job. God, deliver. God, answer. And he can. He can do this anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Do you agree with that? God is able. We've been singing about it today. Nothing is too hard for him. But he didn't rescue the disciples for their ease of life. He rescued the disciples so there would be further opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. It wasn't for their ease and comfort, but it was for God's glory. It was that he would be glorified. That they would be able to continue to proclaim him. To God be the glory for what he's going to do. They'll get in trouble again. Sure they would. You'll see they continue to get in trouble. And God rescues. God helps. And you're told to go to the temple. So when morning comes, instead of heading out of town, they head to the temple and they continue to speak of Jesus. You see, folks, ahead of our comfort and our convenience, it's about God and his glory. And that's what he desires to see happen in our lives, that we are people pursuing his glory. This past week, I sat at a coffee table next to one of the men from our church and then a mutual friend of his and uh, someone that I knew from many, many years ago in, uh, in Regina, in the, kid that, in the church that I grew up in as a child. And, and this man was in the church, him and his family, and it's kind of neat how our paths have crossed again. Well, this dear man from my past and this man in our church's friend, um, his dear wife is struggling with cancer, and she was at the cancer clinic going through another round of chemo. And so I was able to sit and just listen to this man talk. And I sat there, and there was a part where it was like the Lord was just saying, Melden, shut your mouth. Don't say anything right now. Just listen. And it was like I just needed to sit under the weight of the hurt and the confusion and the desperation of a man whose wife has cancer and it's very serious. You saw the emotion and just the desire for him to do whatever it takes. They're researching some, some alternative um, uh, medical 
measures and, and different things to, to help out and, and that. And he's leaning on the Lord. He and his wife love the Lord. And, and he's been in the word. And, and, and yet you see this desperation. And you see this desire for his, his wife to continue to keep living and to enjoy the children and the grandchildren and, and, and to enjoy um, their lives together. Finally, I, I shared some scripture with him. And I reassured him, I said, I, I want you to know, and he asked me, he says, please be praying for my wife for healing. I said, I will. I believe that our Lord can heal today. He does heal today. Hear that story about, about Earl. Isn't that great about his cheek? They thought they were going to have to do surgery, having um, three, three of the major, three out of four bones on his cheekbone broken and, and thinking they needed surgery. And, and uh, a number of weeks ago, Rose says, maybe God will heal him. And I said, let's be praying. Let's keep praying. And, and he doesn't need that surgery. We know that God heals. God can heal in a moment. God can heal over a period of time. God uses the medical profession. He is gifted our doctors and our researchers in incredible ways. And we, we, we believe that God uses common grace. He, he uses the you know, just the healing that comes through food and through, you know, um, different um, medications and different things can help in that, but God also can heal instantly. And I reassured him, I will be praying for your wife's healing, that God would, would heal her. And I reassured him of that. But then I said to him something that, um, that I believe there's a message in this for all of us, no matter what we're facing. And I asked him to consider that his primary prayer is not that his wife be healed and her life be, or her body become cancer-free. I said, I know that's a prayer, but above that prayer, even more importantly than that prayer, can we be praying that God would be glorified in this situation? Like Paul said, by my, either by my life or by my death, that God would be glorified. I will serve the Lord. I will continue to go on. That in all of this, no matter the outcome, that God would receive the glory. That is our first prayer. And yes, followed up that God would bring healing. That God would do a work in restoring health to this woman. You see, we pray for our comforts and our convenience and life to be easy. But we must understand God is sovereign. God is in control. He has a plan and that plan is good. And that our true joy flows out of God's glory. And the disciples got to see this firsthand. We see this at the end of the chapter, that in the end of this, they're rejoicing. So they go to the temple, and they are instructed, speak the words of this life. Encourage you in your Bibles to underline that word, life. They were commanded to go in, and you'll see there the, the word life, the L, is capitalized. And there's a reason for this, because it's not just about, you know what, just go and speak of your life, you know, hey, how about those blue jays? They're pretty good, aren't they? You know, or, oh, the apple uh, harvest is really good this year, or, you know, uh, how about those rough riders? Pretty pathetic, aren't they? He's not talking about talk, you know what, speak the words of life like that. He's talking about speak the words of life with the big L, speak the words of Christ that he is our hope, he is our answer, he is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the bread of life. 
So go into these places that can be hostile and speak the words of this life to those around us. Not just by the way we live our lives. You know, like you hear that phrase, you know, preach the word of God always and sometimes, if necessary, use words. Just allow the way that you live your life and conduct your affairs and the way that you speak, just radiate Christ. No, use words. We are to use words. Instructed here, speak the words of this life. It wasn't just, yeah, here we are, we're out of prison. You know, Blue Jays are doing good. You know, uh, you know. no, it's speak the words of Jesus. Continue to keep speaking these words. And I love what happens in verse 21. Take, take a look here. Just, uh, we'll kind of recap what's taking place. Encourage you to be reading this this week. The priests, they gather together that morning. So, so here, just get this in your mind. Disciples are in the temple. They're, they're sharing the words of Jesus. They're sharing the words of life. And so the council have gathered together and at, at another location. They're like, okay, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these disciples? Like, we've got to do something because, man, they're just making a mess of our lives. They're making life very, very difficult. And so, so you know, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just my mind or something, but I picture that these are the dudes in gowns with the, the big hats, right? You know, they, almost like a chef hat. But, you know, I mean, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are all gathering together and say, hey, go get these disciples, bring them here. So do, 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 these guys with the gowns and the hats are walking to walking the prison like, hey, we're here to get the disciples. They're not here. Where did they go? I don't know where. They're gone? So they go back to the council. They're not there. What? They're not there. Then next thing they get word, hey, they're in the temple. And so the, the guys in the gowns and the hats are like, what is going on? Go get them. Go bring them here. So they go off and they bring them into the council chambers and they're like, what are you guys doing? You know, and, and you see what took place. And, and, and so in verse 28, they even say, stop talking about this Jesus. Just can it. Stop it right now. Love what it says in verse 29. Great thing to underline right in verse 29. Listen, say, we will obey God, not man. We're going to obey God, and we're going to continue to keep speaking. And what does Peter do in these next number of verses? He gives them the gospel. He shares the gospel with them. He says, you killed this Jesus, but God raised him up, and forgiveness and repentance is available. Here we have in verses 30 to 32 the gospel in these few verses. There is the outline of the gospel. Here it is, short and sweet. You can use this this week. It is your sin, it is my sin, that put Christ on the cross. Because of our sin, Christ had to die there. Someone had to pay the price for our sins. But God raised him up and exalted him. And because of that, God grants us forgiveness and repentance to all who ask. There's the gospel in just a few short verses. And look at in verse 32. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Something else we see here that sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness is fueled by the Holy Spirit. We don't speak the words of the gospel in our own power, in our own strength. We speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the disciples were doing here. They were living for God's glory, not their own glory. The disciples were able to withstand wave after wave of opposition and attack through 
the power that came not on their own, but that came from the Holy Spirit. You see, when we receive Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes in. He takes up residence in our lives. But the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that we are empowered on a daily basis by the Holy Spirit, one is by asking the Holy Spirit to fill us every day as we are surrendering ourselves to him. But it comes through, in this passage, we see the Holy Spirit comes through obedience. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Today we live in very interesting circles, even within the church around the world and even here in North America. People in so many ways are just looking to have an experience with God. They want to feel the power. They want to be energized. They want to experience the passion and, 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 and just being, and, and maybe that's going to come through a worship service or a concert or, or going to a retreat and getting, you know, alone or, or being, you know, just some sort of have this Holy Spirit time in their life where it just, you know, there's emotion and there's, you know what, just maybe crying and, and just worship and different things and, and we want to have this experience and we have to be so careful because at times you can walk into some pretty dangerous spiritual murky waters just to find a spiritual experience in order to feel that he's close to us. You know how the Holy Spirit empowers and fills and gives us strength and power? Through obedience, living lives of obedience to Christ and to the word. Here's some really important questions I encourage you to be thinking of even right now. Am I consistently living in view of what I know about Christ? Where I'm at right now, what I know about Jesus Christ, am I living a consistent life in that? Am I living a life that is in accordance with the word of God? how I conduct my business, how I treat others. Is what I'm doing, is it in alignment with the word of God? Am I refusing to do what I know God is asking me to do? Is there an area that he's speaking to me about and I'm not obeying him in it? Am I refusing to share my faith because of fear or rejection? You see, we cannot live in the power of the Holy Spirit if we are saying no to him in other areas of our lives. Take time today on a daily basis to examine your heart, to confess, to repent of those sins of disobedience, those areas where we're not lining up with the word of God. You want to have a life of power? in obedience, living a life of obedience to Christ and to his word. One of the key ways that the Holy Spirit's power is available to us. The fourth thing we see is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness forces a response. In verse 33, it says, when they heard this, when the council heard this, as, as Peter shares the gospel with them and, and uh, you know, says, you killed Jesus and and we're going to keep on going. We're going to serve God. We're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you in this because God trumps you in, in the line of authority here. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. And you see, just like in, in verse 
17, some became angry and jealous, and now we see anger again. And here we see that the good news of Jesus Christ will make some people angry. They feel threatened, challenged, but the gospel will force a response. Whenever we share the good news of Jesus Christ, even here today with the truth of God's word that is being presented here, right here, right now, you will make a response. You will. Somehow, in the area that the Lord may be speaking to you in, you will respond in one of these ways. And one might be kind of anger, just like, well, he doesn't know my situation. No way, I'm not doing what God's speaking to me about doing. I have my excuses, or whatever it might be. And so we may become angry when we hear what God's word has to say. These guys were being threatened. They were being challenged, but no doubt they're being convicted. They're seeing transformations happen all around them. Another response, though, is indecision. And in verses 33 to 40, we see a prominent Pharisee by the name, name of Gal, or Gam Alel, interesting name, a teacher of the law, and he was a very well-respected person. You know, like in the family situation where you live, maybe it's even your extended family or in the workplace or, or you're someplace and, and everyone has an opinion and then all of a sudden one person speaks up and it's just like, oh, they carry some weight, they carry some authority and it's just like, oh, we better listen to them. Well, this is the way that uh, Gamamel was here to this council. As they were discussing what should we do with them, he was the one who, who spoke up and said, just hold, hold the phone here, just, just hold on. You better be careful what you do here. And he helped them to recall some other, you know, what sort of movements that came. And he makes this really powerful statement. He says, if it is of God, it will keep going. If it's not of God, it will die out. It will fail. That was good advice. That was, there was some wisdom there. And he says, you don't want to be opposing God after all. Because that would not be good. And so that kind of cools off the council. But even for him... He was indifferent. He didn't make a response. He didn't decide, as far as we know, maybe later on in his life he decided to follow Christ. But he was indecisive. He was tolerant with what was going on, but he wasn't willing to all-out commit. And when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, they may not be willing to make a decision. We have to know that, and we keep praying for them. We keep... Showing them and sharing with them the words of this life. Even in our own lives today, what's our response to the word of God and where he is speaking to us about? Is it like, well, kind of, you know what? Some of you have been waiting in indecision mode far too long. And there's a danger that the more that we keep turning a deaf ear to the voice of God, that our hearts become hard. That's dangerous. And so they had these wise words that were given. And, and we know he's, you know, I mean, he's sitting on the fence because he's, he's saving their lives because they were ready to kill him. But then he turns around and says, just give them a good beating. 39 lashes or 40 lashes minus one. He had to stay within the rules of the law. But this was not a, a you know what, just let's go out behind the tool shed and you know, take the belt off and, and, and give these guys a lashing. This was 
This was similar to the beating that Jesus took with a whip that had the sharp ends in the end of it and would have been tearing their flesh. And so these disciples, all of them, were beaten. And as they are exiting the prison, you see an amazing response, and we see this final response to the good news of Jesus Christ. You see joyful acceptance. Verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Look at these disciples. Think about it. You know, they're they're dismissed. They're like, okay, quit preaching, and now we're going to beat you. And so, you know what? They're waiting for the last one to finish his beating. And then they walk out, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And the blood is running down their back, down their legs, and they're rejoicing. They're filled with joy. Makes no sense. I read the account of someone who lived a number of decades ago who was in prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ, and he was put into solitary confinement. For months, no one would speak to him. For months, he would receive regular beatings. And he said that through that time upon his release, he said, you know what happened to me there in that prison? Not every day, but from time to time, he said, I was so filled with joy and I was dancing in the prison cell. And he says, it was like I was dancing with the angels and I was so filled with joy in the prison. And he says, in that encouragement and that Time with the Lord sustained me and reminded me that he is with me. That God is sovereign. He is in control. And even in the prison there was joy. You see, a false faith will wilt under persecution. But a genuine faith rejoices in opposition and in persecution. These disciples had been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And together, they turned the world upside down. Wonder today, where are you at when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness? When it comes to living out the words of this life? How are you in living out God's truth in the workplace, in your home, what is your response to the gospel today? You say, well, I, I received Christ years ago. What is your response to the gospel today? Even if you did that years ago, continue to keep going deeper into that understanding of what Christ has done and his love for us and, and, and how that propels us and reminds us that whatever we do in the name of Jesus Christ is not in vain. Have you here today committed your life to Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? You can receive him today if you haven't. As we worship in a few moments, there's going to be a time for you just to come and to, to, to come to the front here. And, and after the service, there will be a number here who would love to pray with you. 
And maybe it's prayer over a life situation that you're facing, that it's overwhelming, it's hard, it's difficult, and you're having a hard time seeing and understanding the sovereignty of God that we talked about in this, that at any time, anywhere, any place, anything, God could deliver, but he has chosen at this point in your life not to deliver. He hasn't answered in the way that you have wanted. Are you seeking God's glory above all things, that God would be glorified no matter the outcome? That is his primary thing. That is his, his primary goal for us. Not a life of ease and comfort. That's what, that's what heaven's about. That's what we get. Eternity. I mean, we were joking a little bit yesterday um, with Colin and Irene, and, and he said that, uh, Colin said that my work in heaven as far as proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the word of God will be done. And I'm like, amen. Can't wait for heaven for that matter. And then he turned to Sheon and said, and your work will just be beginning because we're going to be worshiping forever and ever. And I kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know what, you'll be scheduled, you know, like on a rotation once every three million years or something like that because there's going to be so many worship leaders and I'm going to have an amazing voice. I'm going to be able to clap and sing at the same time and not lose count. And, and it's going to be maybe I'll even be a guest spot you know, someday, you know, guest leader, like, who knows, but we're going to be worshiping Jesus, it's not going to be about me, it's not going to be about who's leading, it's, he will be the one we worship, he will be the object of our worship, but until then, we must accept his sovereignty, his control over all things, are you able to do that today, and it starts with being obedient to the word of God, are you being obedient to his word? We're going to be singing this worship song. I'm going to ask you guys to come and get ready to lead us in this. That I believe, I believe everything that God says. I believe and I will follow. Will that be your testimony today? That I believe, God, everything in your word, that you're sovereign, you're in control, that you can heal, you can do whatever you want, anytime, any place, and we submit ourselves to his control. We can... We submit ourselves to being people who declare and share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. Will you do that this week? Because it will cause opposition. It will be uncomfortable at times in our lives. But doors will be opened up and you do that in the power of the Holy Spirit we share. And so let's be responding in our own lives to what God is speaking to us about today in humble obedience to him. Let's stand together as we worship.